Broadsheet Radio. Welcome to Shared History. History built tough. Is it? I feel like it's built to burn in historic libraries. Uh, it's it's built to be um, manipulated and changed at will. Apparently, that doesn't Sometimes. sound built tough. Then no, not a not a. So I lied. I, I lied to you all. That's all right. History often lies to us too. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love how our tagline exploration at the beginning with our ever our ever-changing workshopping of slogans always turns into some negative conversation about how we're all just fucking repeating the same shit it has gotten quite quite dark but nihilistic i'm sorry turns out history is oftentimes a downer (laughs) but uh our guest today isn't a downer i'm just gonna go straight into it I'm just going, we're going right, just Let's do it. getting, getting on the tracks so that we can quickly fall off the tracks because our guest today is a good friend of mine. Uh, I've decided she doesn't really get a say in that. This She's a staff writer at comicbook.com. She is co-host of podcasts of her own, two different Marvel podcasts, Phase Zero and Hollywood Already Did It, which are a delight. Check them out. It's uh, my friend and now all of yours, Internet, Jamie Drack. Hello. Thank you for having me. We are good friends. Oh, th- oh, oh thank God. <laughs> I know you can breathe easy. I was so nervous. <laughs> <clears throat> I was just panicking. Um, I want you to explain your podcasts because I'm particularly amused constantly by Hollywood Already Did It. So please tell the listeners what these podcasts are. So Phase Zero is my job, comicbook.com, uh, it's our own Marvel podcast hosted by my coworker Brandon Davis, and I chime in a lot there, and usually uh, every Wednesday we get on, and uh, well, this right now we're talking what if, uh, you know, we talk Marvel news, mostly Marvel movies, uh, we we don't get into comics a lot, that's another uh, podcast from our site called Comic Book Nation, uh, so it's just like a lot of Marvel talk, a lot of Marvel news, a lot of Marvel opinions, uh, which I love sharing, and then Hollywood already did it. Um, my friends um, Terrence and Blake, they've had this podcast for a while where they talk about sequels, reboots, remakes, and now we have our own little sub-podcast sub of that podcast where we um, pair things with all of the Disney plus Marvel shows. So for WandaVision, we went through the history of sitcoms. For The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we paired each episode with a Buddy Cop movie. For Loki, we paired each episode um, with a time travel movie. Currently with What If, uh, it, we're doing non-MCU Marvel movies, which has been really fun. Things, you know, like Blade, this week we did the Punisher movies. Uh, and then I'm really looking forward to Hawkeye at the end of the year because we are touching on my favorite genre of all time, which is Christmas action movies. So uh, so just talking about Die Hard. We're yeah, just... it's going to be me talking about Die Hard for six episodes. <laughs> Good. Jamie, Great. can I ask you something? Yeah. So there's this big kind of controversy about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie, apparently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this? You know, Some people this, just I, didn't know or don't this, believe? 
debate kind of bugs me because it's like, it happens every year. And, you know, I think people just, in my personal opinion, Die Hard is an anytime you want it to be movie. I watch it every Christmas season uh, because it's, it's a Christmas movie. It takes place at Christmas. But I also watch it every Valentine's Day, a tradition that started in 2009 so, uh, that I do every single year. So this, we're coming up on the 14th annual Die Hard Valentine's Day that kind of started like in college as like a weird thing. And now it's, it's a place for people who don't like Valentine's I don't care about Valentine's Day. My birthday's a day after so I have no like I'm getting attention no matter what that week <laughs> so uh I bring like people over to who are sad or whatever and we just get really wasted and watch Die Hard uh okay. and then oftentimes I watch it in the summer because that's when it was released it was released in June I believe so um so I would say yes it is a Christmas movie but it does not have to be pigeonholed to Christmas because some people get very upset about no it's not a Christmas movie but I was watching I've been watching the Harry Potter movies recently. Not for the first time. I feel like that sounded very like I've never seen them before. I need everybody. Everyone, to know. calm down. Yeah, keep it. Take a deep yes. breath, guys. Come on. Um, and one of my friends was like, "Why is this like considered a Christmas movie? Like it's always played on ABC Family around Christmas, but it's also a Halloween movie." Even though, like, yes, there's witches and wizards, but there's usually just maybe one Halloween-y scene. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't need to be about Christmas to be there's a, vibe. a seasonal movie. Because, yes, I think of Harry Potter as a Christmas movie. Before, or one that you watch during Christmas. Yeah, before before J.K. Rowling came out as transphobic and terrible, I used to watch the Harry Potters every November because for me it was the perfect transition from spooky season to Christmas season. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, what's funny, actually, today, after we finish recording this, I will be watching Half-Blood Prince because my boyfriend's uh, going watching them with his friends. He's never seen them. And so I agreed to join for this one. And it'll be the first time I've watched Harry Potter. And it's the this is the longest I've ever gone in my life without watching Harry Potter because J.K. just, like, upset me so much. And it's been a hard year. Uh, yeah. But so today, it's so weird that you brought that up because it, today's going to be the first time in, like, a year and a half I've watched a Harry Potter movie. See, I, I respect all of these, like, times of year to listen to things. Things. Um... Or watch things. I recently, uh, one, one of my, I'm so sorry, Cass, I have other friends. Um, <laughs> another I thought, text thread. I was shocked when I heard about Jamie. I was like, what the fuck? What am I, chop liver? My two best college friends uh, and I just basically in the fall exclusively text each other about Meg Ryan <laughs> movies. Uh, I've just decided the entire Meg Ryan like catalog um, plus while you were sleeping are fall into winter movies like yeah. these are something iconic about meg ryan and fall wardrobe everything about meg ryan is a fall vibe even if the movie does not take place in the fall almost every meg ryan move me movie there's some transition montage scene in the fall and she's mm -hmm. just like crushing her layers so like i agree with i concur I, I have similar feelings about Diane Keaton. I just feel like Diane Keaton's oh, wardrobe yeah. is very fall. And so mm. any Diane Keaton movie is welcome in the She's fall. She's like late summer into autumn. I'm like, give me some. This is the time of year for first wipes. <laughs> We've got it's, it's so off track. It's 100 <laughs> degrees and like Diane Keaton's going to be in a white turtleneck no matter what. Yes. Uh, I do like to watch first wipes clubs on Thanksgiving. So I, I believe that. It's great. It's fantastic. Um. <laughs> Yeah. I have committed to watching all of the Spider-Man movies on Black Friday this this year with the same group of friends. Ooh. I don't know why we... I'm, I mean, I'm not going to be mad about it. I 
I, I feel like I need to uh, address the elephant in everyone's eardrums. Jamie is calling in from sunny Los Angeles, which is not sunny right now. It is raining. And so these beautiful rain sounds that are washing over you and really like helping you mellow out or making you have to pee, if they're being picked up at all, are that's some that's some rare grade A LA I rain. I cannot believe it's raining right now. It is, I, I mean, I opened the window and then all of a sudden just rain happened. I've never, I, I've lived here a year and I think this is the third or fourth time I've seen rain. <laughs> So I think not... this might be something we integrate into the show. Just have like a soft waterfall in the background yes. of everything. A little trickling brook. Mm. Everyone's going to be like, why does shared <laughs> history make me have to pee? I'm be like, I don't know. It's just the sound of Cass and my voices that no one can tell apart. Because we definitely don't calm them because we talk about what? fire and crazy shit all the time. Do people really have trouble to hear it telling you two apart? Yeah. I Did think it's just because we both have low voices. I, we yeah. literally got a review recently. Mm -hmm. Hey, everyone, leave us a review, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Anything over four stars is acceptable. <laughs> um, but the, we got a review recently where it literally said, like, I still can't tell which one is which. That's so funny. I, maybe it's because I know your voice so well, Natalie, but I it's like I don't see it. But it's funny because my, my voice is pretty low, too. So I feel like good luck on this just episode, a bunch listeners. Of, <laughs> just a bunch of low, low voice, fast talking ladies. Uh, this is an this is an episode that you cannot listen to on 1.5 speed because all three of us talk so fast. Um, let's let's dig into it, Jamie. I have a very important question to you. Do you yeah. even like history? <laughs> is that a real? Uh, sure. A, you don't have to. You don't. You, um, you can be. Honest. I mean, it's it's not in school. It was a subject that interested me more than like math and science. But um, we'll take it. But I don't. I'm not uh, well versed uh, to the point where um, I feel like the girl in Drop Dead Gorgeous who has the big ball of twine on her head, and she's like, I misunderstood the assignment, which is absolutely what happened for this podcast because what uh, my subject has nothing to really do with history at all. Uh, <laughs> I, I, but it's like my history. Yes, it's way. history that's really important to Jamie. We'll get into that in just a second. I hate to tease. Well, I'm such a tease. Um, I, we just always ask if our guests, because sometimes I'm, people are like, no, I hate history. And we're like, well, welcome. Um <laughs> And that's okay. Like, like Shakespeare and Elizabethan times, like that stuff interests me. Mm. Um, but that, but that's about it. As a lover of movies, do you like historical fiction as a genre? You know, it's interesting. It's one of my least favorite genres. Um, my least favorite genre are like historical war movies, especially like American war movies. Oh my god, I hate having to sit through that because typically it's like American propaganda. First of all. Um, <laughs> But I like biopics are typically not for me. With a couple, there's some ex there are some exceptions. Right now, I'm really into The Crown, which is like normally not my bag, but I do really like The Crown. Um, but but it's it is one of my least favorite genres. I like fiction. Y your girl likes fiction, and that is just a uh, fact. So when you look at this, uh, I, I don't think your viewers are going to see this, but behind me podcasting is a, very is a large, visual medium. Yeah, it's fine. DVD DVD collection. Which uh, there's not That's a lot glorious. of. That's like, glorious. There's there's not a single documentary I think in this whole thing. I mean that looks like a, like an old school blockbuster. They have mm -hmm. just top yeah. to bottom to the ceiling DVDs. I love it. Jamie also is a big fan of discovering that somebody hasn't seen something that she just cannot believe they haven't seen, and then being like, and now we have a date to watch it. Yeah, because uh, I'm never gonna be like people are like, oh, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen it, and like what. I love that you haven't seen it because it means I get to watch it with you. It means I get to kind of watch it for the first time via like, through your proxy eyes. through you. 
A hundred percent. Speaking of discoveries, while while we are at it, um, you know, like Columbus didn't discover shit, or at least he didn't discover what he said he did. Uh, Marconi didn't actually like that. wasn't the first radio. Like, let's all calm down. History is all about uh, disclaiming discoveries for your own that weren't actually at all yours. So, in honor of that, I don't know what I what I don't know what I've discovered recently. So, I'm gonna wait to be inspired by you guys. Jamie, what is something that you have discovered recently? Well, I'm the first person to ever uh, discover this. Uh, that's a lie. Uh, I've recently discovered Peter Falk's filmography. Um, I have, uh, the only thing I had ever seen him in was his cameo in The Great Muppet Caper. And, <laughs> um, and now I've seen so many amazing movies. The In-Laws, A Woman Under the Influence, oh, Mikey and Nikki. Um, and then, of course, Columbo, a amazing television program from the, well, it started in the 70s, but it, like, went on for a really long time. And so, yes, no, Peter Falk was around many, many, many years before I was even born, but I feel like I just discovered him and I'm the only one who knows who he is. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, uh, that's my current new thing. Oh, I'm check, already inspired. Check Google tomorrow. All the all the searches for Peter Falk are going to jump. <laughs> Go way up. Yeah. Cass, have you discovered anything recently? Like, are you planting a flag? Oh, boy. Um, some discoveries are, are great. And great things come from it. Some discoveries uh, turn into disasters. And they are things that the world should never have seen or witnessed or experienced and so i'm sorry to say that i've recently discovered flaming hot cheetos craft mac and cheese Ooh. like i love cheetos i love flaming hot i love mac and cheese i was like all these things separately yes so i boil the pasta rip open the little powder pack Bright, it looks like kool-aid bright red dust just falls in there and it just looks like you just put a bunch of food dye in there, food coloring. And then I stirred it up. The smell that came from it, it was like, like milky and oh, it was not good. And it was so spicy. Like it hurt me, but that's not why I didn't like it. It, oh my gosh, just thinking about it. And then, and then we didn't eat it. So we put it in a Tupperware and we put it in the fridge. Airtight Tupperware. The fridge smelled horrible the next day mistakes this are is, made this is something you know i'll claim it. i discovered this i did this and i will go down in history as a person who fucked everyone up with flaming hot cheetos mac and cheese that is why i didn't know that existed at all i've, I've learned something last night i ordered there's a sandwich place here called fat Sols, which is like like the most disgusting combination of things you can imagine to put on a sandwich and one of the add-ons that we did last night was cheetos and it ended up being flaming hot cheetos they did not specify um and so it's just a sandwich with like onion rings and meat and jalapenos and mozzarella sticks and fucking flaming hot cheetos on there that's an appetizer sampler yeah. in a sandwich yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> on bread my stomach was none too pleased <laughs> um I feel like my, my Natalie, discovery... have you discovered I, anything? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, I'm very <laughs> excited to share with you my discovery. Uh, I feel like... I feel like... You know what? No, I haven't done... I haven't talked about a show or a movie as my discovery before, so I'm going to own this. You guys ever heard of a little TV show called Alias? Because <laughs> that's what I've been watching. I... I... 
I've been enjoying it immensely. I feel like every episode is a discovery. I'm in season two now, and definitely every episode is a discovery now because there's like a more higher profile um, guest stars. And first of all, episode one, turned that thing on and discovered Bradley Cooper was in that show because yeah. I did not know that. That's a good pilot. The it's a very pilot good really pilot. Good. I knew that I was getting in for uh, Jennifer Garner, who I've never really given a proper chance outside of uh, She's great. Uh, 13 going on 30. And I'm like, City wow, Bank I'm in commercials? love with you. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I am uh, deeply in love with Jennifer Garner now. Uh, as That's just correct. One of the most Victor attractive. Garber. And Victor Garber. I knew it was Victor mm -hmm. Garber doing a master class every episode and Jennifer Garner. That's all I knew. Wait. And then I knew it was J.J. Abrams. So going into it, very blind. In season two, we just had an Ethan Hawke guest star. We just had a Christian Slater guest star. So like, we moving up in the world. Alias was huge. I never watch it. I literally- I never watch I it. I know less than you, Natalie. I know Jennifer Garner and wigs, and that's it. <laughs> there are a lot of- <laughs> That is, I mean, you that just is... summed up the entire show. Yeah, but it was like, there were a lot of huge cameos on that because it was like the biggest show. There's a lot of wigs. There's also a lot of um, this sound effect used all of the time during fight sequences. With every Great like Foley, look at you. Really I mean, speaking of Foley, Jennifer Garner used to be married to Scott Foley. Um, of the Foley sound. The Foley sound. <laughs> Great, but this isn't about. <laughs> this isn't the history of the Foley. <laughs> you got me. You, I took a sip at the wrong moment. You got me really good with that one. We love to see it. Um, <laughs> this isn't about the Foley's of of the Foley fame at all. This is about something completely different. And I cannot wait to introduce this topic with Jamie. Jamie brought us a story today. And do oh you do you want to explain what happened? Or do you want me to explain? I'll explain what happened. Okay, so um, I, I, as much as I love Natalie, I just didn't know what her podcast was about. Um, I didn't know what you guys were, were up to on this podcast. And the one example Natalie gave me is our mutual friend Patrick Serrano came on this show and talked about made for TV movies. So I was like, great, uh, I only know about pop culture. I literally have no knowledge of any other subjects. Um, so I, I know exactly what I'll talk about. And then today was a little late. I looked up what the podcast is and learned, you don't talk about stuff like that at all. You talk about legitimate, real history. And I was like, uh-oh, it's too late to change it because today I'm talking about the history of John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, listeners at home, there is a huge John Travolta poster behind Jamie that she just gestured to. I also want to explain that there was an exchange today via text when Jamie was worried and I was like, Jamie, whatever you brought as a topic, I'm sure is fine. I expected you to do pop culture, like totally welcome to talk about the history of something pop culture related, lean into it, love it. And then I half jokingly said, you could come on and give the history of John Travolta and I would be thrilled. And at the same time, Jamie was texting me about how she was going to do a history about a very particular person. I bet you can guess who. And we sent these texts at the same time. The exact same time. And then I uh, laughed too loudly and concerned people at my office. Um, so I'm very excited for the history of the one and only John Travolta. 
I'm I can't I can't I you know what I don't know much about him other than his film catalog and I know that you know the most so yes. uh, I like to think I'm the the expert um another visual I do have a giant tattoo of his face um, <gasps> is that who that is yeah, yeah. Uh, uh in Greece which is my favorite movie of all time um so uh yeah so I figured we'll we'll talk a little bit about his his filmography and his history in film and then we'll get into maybe his little personal life and then uh share a couple of stories about uh, about him that I like and then uh and then you know sprinkle in a little stories about uh, his number one fan Jamie Jerick. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay uh so we're all aboard the history machine uh where are, where where are we starting and when are we starting we are starting on February 18th, 1954, in Inglewood, New Jersey. Uh, when John Travolta is born, uh, the youngest of six siblings, his father is a football player who becomes, I believe, a tire salesman. Um, uh, this is all knowledge I just know off the top of my head. Uh, this is not, you know, so. Uh, and, I was going to say, uh, it doesn't look like yeah. you're reading anything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his uh, his mother was an actress, so he got that bug from from his mother. Um, some, I believe some of his other siblings do some, do some acting. You can see his sister Ellen is actually in Greece in the moment where um, all of the waitresses are watching the dance from the little TV at the diner. Um, the brunette one who looks a little like T Lily Tomlin, which is interesting because John Travolta made a very bad romantic movie with a little gentleman. Um, that's his sister, Ellen Travolta. So, youngest of six, he uh, decides at age 16 he's going to drop out of high school, go across the river, over to New York, and uh, do theater. And, uh, and he had a great successful run in theater. He actually played duty in Greece on Broadway and on the national tour. Uh, so long before he was he was the Danny Zuko we all know, he was duty, and he wanted to be Zuko, but he was too young, which is funny when you think about it, because we all joke about how all the people in Greece look like full-grown adults. Yep. Uh, so, uh, uh, and, uh, so after, you know, he did a lot of theater, he decided to try his hand in Hollywood, went, went across the country, um, you know, did some auditions, and in 1973, he almost got cast in the Randy Quaid role in The Last Detail with Jack Nicholson, which I actually just watched for the first time. And uh, it's not for me, but it is a great film. And I could, as much as I love Travolta, I do not could not picture him in this part. And, Rand and yeah. Randy Quaid was nominated for an Oscar for this part. And I think now when we think of Randy Quaid, we think of like the insane dude who's like all conspiracy theories and wild. But back in 1974, he was nominated for an Oscar. He was really good in that movie. So, uh, but then we got, you know... He wasn't getting movies. He was thinking about going back to New York just because he's he, continuing his love of the theater. But 1975, that's when it all changed. That is when we got the glorious sitcom, Welcome Back, Cotter. Of course, Travolta played Vinnie Barbarino. He had his own catchphrase, up your nose with a rubber hose. And, uh, and then he became one of the most famous people in the 70s. He was such a heartthrob. Um, I would like to chime in and say that my love for Travolta is not sexual. Uh, I do not want, I do not have a, like, people are like, oh, your husband. I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, I do not like him that way. However, had I been alive in the 70s, it would have been a different story. A different story, yes. 1970s like, yes. Travolta. Anything post-80s Travolta, he is not attractive to me, but, like, give me in the 70s Travolta. Yeah, he's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful man. Uh, so... <laughs> During Welcome Back, Cotter, you know, this happens a lot. People on sitcoms, they get famous, they leave, but he stuck it out. He did the, he did pretty much the entire series, which ran for four seasons. During that, um, uh, 1975, he, he also starred in a movie. His very first film that he was ever in was called The Devil's Reign. 
And I'm not sure who did this, but somebody on the set of Devil's Reign handed him a book. A book that would change the course of his life and something I would get shit for for the last 25 years of mine, and that is diagenics, and that is uh, how he learned about Scientology on his very Ooh. first film set. Um, so he has been into Scientology since the beginning of his career, and I, and we'll get into a little more about the Scientology thing uh, later. It's interesting, people bring this up to me a lot. They're like, how do you love John Travolta? How do you feel about Scientology? And, uh, and my thing is, I'm an atheist, so to me, all religions are fucking stupid cults, you know? So it's like, yeah, Scientology is an extreme version of that, but like, you know... It's, it's all the same to me in my brain. Um, but it is an insane thing, and it's so wild that he is still uh, a Scientologist. Like, a lot of people have given this up. And interestingly, I haven't heard him talk, because, you know, I watch most of his interviews and stuff, and he used to talk about it a lot more in the 80s and 90s, and he kind of dropped off. But I watched, he, um, he did a recent episode of Heart to Heart, which is Kevin Hart's Peacock series. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it was the first time I heard him talk about Scientology in a really long time. And I think that's partly because his wife, Kelly Preston, passed away last year. She had cancer after a couple of years. And Travolta's dealt with a lot of loss in his life. We'll get into that, too. Um, and he has attributed, when his son Jet died in 2000, or 2009, uh, he attributed a lot to Scientology helping him through that. And that's always been kind of a thing about Travolta, is it's not like Tom Cruise where he's jumping on couches being, like, wild. Whenever he's talking about Scientology, he just says something like, ah, it's just helped me be a better family man. It's helped me get through some stuff. End of discussion. Um, so it could be worse, I guess, but it's still not, it's still the weirdest thing about him. Hey, Cass. Yes, Nat? Would you say you wear your love of Iowa on your sleeve? You know what? I, I would actually. Is it because you regularly shop at Raygun? Oh, you mean the greatest store in the universe? The most important clothing store the earth has ever seen since the early Mesozoic era? The one that started in Iowa and now has stores throughout the Midwest? Mm-hmm. That's the one. Yeah, I do own a lot of Raygun products specifically ones that brag about Iowa. So yeah, I guess I literally wear my love of Iowa on my sleeve. Cool, just checking. Did you know that this podcast is sponsored by Raygun and that Raygun has stores in Des Moines, Chicago, Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, Kansas City, Omaha, or you can shop online at raygunsite.com? Yes, yes, I know all of that. Of course you do. Use promo code SHAREYOULATER to save on your next order. You don't need to be obsessed with Iowa to shop there and enjoy their stuff. But it never hurts. <sighs> That's raygunsite.com. Promo code share you later. Uh, in 1976, he made the TV movie The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, uh, which is very silly. And uh, it was like kind a of rebooted it's like into a, a comedy. To Bubble Boy? With yeah, Jake so Gyllenhaal? the Jake Gyllenhaal Bubble Boy movie is like based on that, but that's more of like oh, okay. a comedy. This was like a made-for-TV, like uh, like if you, go, I'm sure Patrick Serrano could tell you a lot about this one too. It's uh, it's like a, it was a very melodramatic TV movie where John Travolta was a boy in a plastic bubble. But he met uh, Diana Highland, played his mother in that, um, and they ended up sparking up a romance. But sadly, she died of cancer a year later. Uh, so, oh uh, yeah. So he has... Um, it was a roller coaster. Uh, he, yeah. He's lost a lot of people in his life. And it, and it kind of started with Diane Highland uh, back in 76 or 77, only two years after he, you know, really broke into Hollywood after discovered Scientology, all that. And then in 1976, he also had a hit single titled Let Her In, which uh, peaked at number 10, I think, at the billboards in 76. And while we're not a visual show, I do have the original album. Uh, oh, of, my God. Her in. It's it's actually a very fun album. It's like very 70s, very like very pop. Like uh, it's, you know, of God, the that disco is a beautiful era. man. 
<laughs> right, he's, he's so wearing, attractive. He's wearing like a, a turtleneck sweater, and boy, do they just make his eyes pop. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's uh, on my tattoo. is a black and white tattoo, but his eyes are blue on my tattoo because the man's eyes are just so just, stunning. We're going to need a, a picture of that cover of that yep. album cover for the for the oh, Instagram. For sure. <laughs> oh, and then uh, so but Cotter ended in 1979, but he had so the two years before Cotter things really picked up for him. In 1977, he made Saturday Night Fever, which earned him his first Oscar nomination. It to this day probably the like the most biggest movie he's ever made. However, fun fact, I hate Saturday Night Fever. Um have either of you seen this film? I have yeah. seen this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sexist as fuck. Uh, it's so bad. Tra- Travolta's like girlfriend or the girl he likes literally gets raped in the back seat of a car while he's sitting there, and then like calls her a slut as soon as it's over. It's like really messed up. I do not care for that movie at all. Um, uh, what I do like though is Staying Alive, the sequel, uh, which was made in '83. And behind me, the, there is a Staying Alive poster, but this is a Japanese poster. This is an original poster from Japan. Uh, uh, that movie flopped real bad. We're gonna get into his '80s flop era, uh, but I prefer it because it's just him like half naked dancing. Sylvester Stallone directed that movie. Friggin' wild. I do want to point out that the Staying Alive poster looks like Sylvester Stallone directed it. Like yes. I don't know how to. It's- <laughs> the poster, like, he directed the session, the art session for the poster as well. <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, it, one thing about Saturday Night Fever, obviously, like, the, what I do love is watching Travolta dance. And that's always been his thing. I mean, he danced with friggin' Princess Diana, for goodness sakes. Like, like that's what, he's amazing. He's a good singer, but he's a great dancer. And original, when they were filming Saturday Night Fever, the original cut had a bunch of, like, close-ups and stuff. Um, uh, during that scene and Travolta literally literally cried to the director and he's like but you can't see me dancing that's the point so they changed it so that it was all like a wide shot so you can really see the dancing and that's now one of the most famous scenes in movie history that's like a so, big uh, Billy Elliot move like I yes. just want to dance <laughs> I just can imagine Travolta just crying, just like uh, beautiful. Um, so you know, we that was the seventies. Great, you know, that was his peak time. The eighties weren't a great time for Travolta. Nineteen eighty, great success. That's when Urban Cowboy came out. It like, oh my god, country Smooth. music swept the nation because of that movie. Uh, and then in eighty one, he made a great film with Brian De Palma called Blowout, but it didn't do well because it's really dark. It wasn't like the other stuff Travolta's made. It not appealing to his like musical fans, his Cotter fans. But it is a movie that to this day has aged very well. It's a great thriller. Uh, and then you know from then it was just disaster. Eighty three was staying alive, just constant constant um, flops. Things weren't going well. He was trying like he'd made some some musicals, some stuff. It just wasn't good. But uh, in nineteen eighty nine. The comeback kid, he came back and made Look Who's Talking with Kirstie Alley, which, you know, could, should have not worked because it's literally a talking baby. Bruce Willis voices this baby. It's so good, uh, though. It's, it's so, so good. good. <laughs> I went back and rewatched it like a couple years ago because I was like, you know what? I wonder if it holds up at all. Look Who's Talking. And you know what? It does. It's, it's just as delightful. That's so good to hear. As you it remember was, it. It was his most successful movie since since Grease. Like, money-making-wise and stuff. It, the mo- of, Like, that was... And it was, you know, uh, 11 years later. And, uh, um, yeah, people loved that movie. It's just, And so, already, one year later, 
1990 was a very important year because not only was it immediately the release of Look Who's Talking 2, where we get another baby voiced by Roseanne Barr, uh, but it was also the year <laughs> that uh, John Travolta's number one fan, Jamie Jirak, was born. Uh, and I was going to say. Born, uh, yes, was born 80 miles away from where he was born, also in the state of New Jersey. Uh, and three days before his 36th birthday. My birthday is three days before John Travolta's birthday. Uh, so we get into the <gasps> 90s. It's a time for thriving. And then it happens. 1994, Pulp Fiction. Now... Pulp Fiction is in my top, my uh, my three favorite films of all time, two of them are John Travolta movies, and one of them is Pulp Fiction. And one of my favorite John Travolta stories is how he got the role of v- Vince Vega. And that is, um, Tarantino wanted Travolta to be in From Dust Till Dawn, which is also one of my favorite movies, a great vampire movie. Uh, and so they had a meeting at Tarantino's apartment. And John Travolta shows up at Tarantino's apartment. And before he walks in, he describes the layout of Tarantino's apartment. Because coincidentally, John Travolta used to live in that same apartment that oh Tarantino God. now lived in in the 90s. And Tarantino makes go, invites John Travolta in and makes him play the Saturday Night Fever board game with him. <laughs> what a move I know because uh, Quinn Tarantino and Travolta are weird people uh, and so... you gotta love when weird people find each other <laughs> yes and uh, I remember uh, Travolta told the story on Inside the Actor Studio and I remember him saying that uh, when Tarantino pitched from Dessel Dawn Travolta said something like I would rather make a movie about this carpet than a vampire movie I don't like vampires and he's like but I'd love to work with you again and um Tarantino had written the part of Vince Vega in Pulp Fiction for Michael Madsen, who was um, Mr. Blonde in Reservoir Dogs. They worked together. But then he was like, sorry, Michael Madsen, you've been usurped by John Travolta. And then it worked it really, out well. It really happened yeah. to the best of us. It's, you know what? We've all been there. Uh, and that was John Travolta's <laughs> second and final, until who knows, maybe he'll come back again, uh, Oscar nomination. He was nominated again for for Pulp Fiction. So uh, that was nice. And I'm sad that they never worked together again because I, I would freaking love that. And then he had a run in the 90s. A great run. 95, very important year because not only was it the year that he made Get Shorty, which is a great movie, but it was also the year his number one fan, Jamie Jirak, discovered him by seeing Grease for the first time. Uh, so uh, very important. Very important milestone. <laughs> But then he had so Broken Arrow, Phenomenon, my personal third favorite John Travolta movie, Face Off, because my second favorite man in the world is Nick Cage. And when there's a movie where your two favorite men in the world swap faces, you're gonna love it. <laughs> you can't, you, like, it is, that movie was made for you. It's so Like, true. you cannot it's tell wild. me otherwise. I can't believe it exists to this day. It was made in 97, and I still can't believe it. Oof. And then, you know, his kind of last big one was he did Primary Colors, where he basically played Clinton. They didn't, he wasn't playing Clinton, but he's playing Clinton, you know, one of those. And it did pretty well. He got pretty, a pretty good reception. But looking back, it is a bizarre thing to, like, watch Travolta do a friggin' Bill Clinton impression for two hours. Uh, But then 2000 hit and uh, things got rough. Travolta had a dream for most of the 90s, and it was to make a Battlefield Earth movie. And this is where we get back into the Scientology thing, because the Ron L. Hubbard story... He was, he was like his dream to make it. No one would finance it because no one wanted to finance a Scientology movie. And he finally got it made. And it is to this day considered one of the worst films ever made. It is a 3% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. 
And I love bad movies. I love sitting through bad movies. I think it's so much fun. Battlefield Earth isn't even a fun bad movie. It's just a boring bad movie. Oh. It's it's not even worth your time. And it's so it's a bummer because he wanted it to work so bad. Uh, and then the 2000s were kind of like the 80s, where the man just kept on keeping on doing flops. Uh, I would say of all this 2000 movies, the only one I like is Hairspray. Uh, but I'm also a theater kid, and, and I know that even though I love watching him play Edna, he's, like, too good at playing a woman. Like, the part, the point of that role is, like, it's a drag role, but he's almost, like, it's, like, he's too convincing as a woman that my best friend is, like, the biggest Hairspray fan, and she hates his performance, because it's, like, he's not doing it right. He's not doing drag. He's just being a woman really well yeah he's like Um, he's acting it too well yeah uh but i still enjoy the movie and his performance in it i remember being surprised by that performance because i remember when they announced travolta as edna i was like really like i can't but i wouldn't i wouldn't buy him in that role at all and then the problem is that you actually buy him too much (laughs) yeah it doesn't work at all and and he just the man has it's been a long time since he's made a good movie but he has had some success on TV. In 2016, he was an American crime story, the OJ, People vs. OJ. He was nominated for an Emmy. Last year, he uh, was in the Quibi show Die Hart with Kevin Hart, which is very fun. It's It was like, it was, you know, Quibi, so cut up into 10 minutes. But when you put it all together, it's really just a movie. Um, and that he also got an Emmy nomination for that, like a short form Emmy nomination. Um, and it's very funny. I really enjoyed it. I interviewed the director, and it was fun to talk about... Uh, uh, you know, working with Travolta, uh, you can like find those interviews on the internet somewhere. Um, and but I and I believe they're making a sequel, even though Quibi is not existing. I think Roku is the one making the sequel, so I'm glad that he's like he goes full unhinged. Sometimes I like to joke that Travolta absorbed some of Nick Cage in 1997 when he played him, <laughs> and like so sometimes the the Cage still kind of pops out of him a little bit. And uh, and this was one of those times. That is a uh, that is actually very perfect. <laughs> the timeline is too good to deny that that, that mm-hmm. could be a fact. And so right now, you know, things are tough for the man. because ca- So this is a good segue is people ask, because there's been a lot of rumors about Travolta's sexuality for decades. About, and people often are like, so Jamie, do you think Travolta's gay? I'm like, well, okay, first of all, I don't know. Um, yeah, there are rumors. I hope he's not, only because I think it'd be really sad that he was married to Kelly Preston for 30 years and like was using her as a beard all that whole time. That would really bum me out. <laughs> My theory is that He's bisexual because it would make sense since his number one fan, Jamie Jarek, is also bisexual. Uh, <laughs> I think that that would really be is why we're such kindred spirits. And, you know, now that Kelly's gone, who knows what will happen with his romantic life. But he did, um, you know, after um, Diana passed, uh, Highland passed in, in the 70s, he dated Catherine De- Denevu for what he dated Mary Lou, Mary Lou Henner from Taxi for a long time on and off. But he met Kelly in 91. They had their son, Jet, in 92. They had their daughter, Ella Blue, in 2000. And then, sadly, Jet passed away in 2009. There's a lot of weird controversies around that because he's he was autistic. But because of Scientology, they're not really supposed to talk about autism. And uh, I, I don't know. It's a really bizarre thing. But then, um, after Jet died, I, I think a year or two later, they had another son uh, who's now 10. And it's really sad because the poor kid's mom just died. Like, that makes me real sad for the whole family. Uh, but Travolta seems like seems to be a good dad. His daughter, Ella, is, is she caught the acting bug. She's doing stuff. She was in a movie with him. Um, goodness. But, um, uh, I'm, so that's, that's a lot of Travolta history. And now I'm going to share with you uh, one of the most important days of Travolta's life, which happened in 2019. <clears throat> I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, feel like I, I feel like I saw you. I feel like I was in town 
either just before or just after this happened. Yeah, that I think it was right. like shortly Timeline. before. Yeah, this is when I was living in New York. Okay, so in 2019, Travolta made a movie called The Fanatic, which was directed by Limp Bizkit's own Fred Durst. Uh, it's it is a a bad movie, but but one that's fun, a fun bad uh, that I have seen twice uh, because I uh, in this movie Travolta is playing a very not right man. Like it is one of those things where it's like Travolta was really overacting this mental issued man where it's like really cringy, uh, and the, he like delusionally thought this was gonna win him an Oscar. Like he tried to have an Oscar campaign for this role. Uh, poor oh, no. bless him. I know it's real bad. Um, I feel but, like he's done that. A couple of times. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's a... Travolta's a great actor. He just makes really bad decisions. And he, ha- he hasn't made a good decision in a long time. But he is a good actor, and I stand by it. Uh, he commits. I just rewatched Michael for the first time in a while, which oh, is great. I was just going to ask you about movie. that. I yeah. love that movie. Michael I is think great. about that movie. Challenge! Yes. I think about that movie, and I think about Phenomenon all the mm-hmm. time. And I go, I need to rewatch those. And then yeah. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's fair. I did uh, that recently. There was I saw like a pen on a desk, and I was like, "Hey, check this out." To one of my coworkers, and I just held my hand over it and just like lightly blew on the pen, and it moved. <laughs> and I did the thing with my hand. He didn't. He wasn't impressed, but I thought it was well, amazing. I would have been. I would have <laughs> cried with delight. Um, so in this movie, The Fanatic, Travolta is obsessed with this like action star who's played by Devin Sawa, uh, Casper himself. And, uh, and I watched this early because I, it, my first ever interview, the first person I ever interviewed at my job was Devin Sawa for this John Travolta movie. So naturally I just wanted to talk about Devin Sawa, or John Travolta. And while, and a fun side story, when I interviewed Devin Sawa, he told me that when they were filming Now and Then, him and Christina Ricci saw Pulp Fiction together in theaters like five times, uh, during the production of that movie, which I think was really cute. So, uh, he's making this movie, it's, it's ridiculous and they do a uh, kind of um, a guild screening in new york where you have to be like a guild member to go and it's again because they're trying to get like oscar buzz for this really bad movie again directed by limp biscuits fred durst and yes there is a limp biscuit reference in the movie in case you're wondering so um, uh, i know so because of my job i get like i get to go to the screening even though i'm not a guild member and i get there hours and hours early it's just me and this old woman sitting on a bench for like four hours before anyone else shows up to the theater uh and we get in line, and they ask me for, like, my whatever guild I'm in card, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm just press. I was told to come for press. And they're like, oh, you're, you're really, you have to, like, wait. And then the one of the, um, like, uh, one of his reps, I don't know, saw, saw my tattoo, and she's like, just let her in. My God, let the girl come to <laughs> the movie. So um, I sit in the front row, watch The Fanatic for the second time in, like, a month, which is just a lot of times to watch that movie. And uh, the movie ends, and uh, Travolta comes out to do a Q&A, and uh, the, the moderator asks fan, uh, questions that he, like, pulls from a bowl, and he happened to pull my question first. And uh, the question was, um, if you, since we're living in an age of reboots and remakes, if you could go back and, and revisit any of your characters, who would it be? And, uh, and the runner was like, who asked this? And I was right there, so it was like me. And then I, like, kind of, sh- I, like, pointed at my tattoo so Travolta would see it. And he goes... What? Come here! And he pulls me, like, onto the stage, um, 
and he gives me the biggest, biggest hug. He, he like, takes all these pictures with me. Uh, he talks to me, like, while there's, like, a whole audience, like, waiting for him to answer more questions. He's just talking to me. And uh, I've been dreaming, so at this point, I've been dreaming of meeting this man for 25 years. I've built this moment up in my head my whole entire life. And, uh, and it could have, there are a million ways it could have gone wrong. And he, it was 100% perfect, lived up to my expectations, anything I ever could have imagined. He was so sweet. So we take all these pictures. I sit back down. We go back to my question. And he was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer. He's like, what, what do you think, Jamie? And I was like, oh, I mean, I've, they used to say years ago, Tarantino used to want to make a, Vin, a Vega Brothers movie, which is Michael Madsen's Reservoir Dogs character and Travolta's Pulp Fiction character. And even though both characters died in their respective films, um, that's fine. You know, alternate universes. Uh, he used to say he was going to make a Vega Brothers movie. So I said, I, I've always wanted to see that, you know. And then he told a story about me, about Michael Madsen. Uh, and then when the Q&A ended, he waves me back, takes, talks to me again, and he's like, you're my new number one fan. And I was like, your mouth, you said it. You called <laughs> me your number one fan. Oh, so you it. weren't just saying that. You've been, <laughs> you've been crowned. I, yes, that was, that's where this John was all leading himself. to. Yes. This is all just so that like okay. another group of people would know. <laughs> hear this story. That We're going to have to go back. We're gonna have to go back to intros, Natalie, because you didn't put that in her. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. That's Forgive partly me. my fault. I didn't list it in my bio. Well, uh, spoilers. Have... It would have been spoilers. <laughs> yes. New sponsor alert and a brief history lesson. Did y'all know that the use of hops as a staple ingredient in beer dates back to early drug laws in Bohemia? Before then, folks were blissfully brewing with whatever tasty botanicals they had on hand. Based in Madison, Wisconsin, Herbiary Brewing is bringing back the noble tradition of hopless brews. Learn more about their fermented folklore and where to find them at herbiary.com. That's H-E-R-B-I-E-R-Y.com. So, uh, and it's funny, there were, there were these women sitting next to me, and uh, and this and the, one of their mothers, so this woman was probably in her 60s, 70s, um, was like, I heard her introduce her mother to John go, this is your real number one fan. Like, like, like kind of like about her mother. But and you know what? I kept my mouth shut. But at the beginning of that screening, we were having a conversation and she was like, what's that movie? Blah, blah, blah. And she, I'm like, that's staying alive. She's like, no, no, you're talking about staying alive. And like, I had to convince her. And then she Googled it and she's like, yeah, it's staying alive. I'm sorry. That woman is your number one fan? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Ma'am, show me your ink. I need to see your credentials. <laughs> yeah. Where's his giant face? Next to you, there's also a Paul, little Pulp Fiction tattoo next to my giant face. And, <laughs> and I do, um, I want one day, I think on my hands, but it's bold to get hand tattoos. I think I need a little more. I do want to get half of Travolta's face on one hand and half of Nick Cage's face on the other hand so that I can frame them together <laughs> in a face-off. Uh, that's that's so that's um, so those, that's all the Travolta knowledge I have off the top of my head. You know, if I, if maybe if I had like a little, uh, I wish that this was a more visual medium because in my closet I have stacks and stacks of like magazines and stuff and all this from like my whole lifetime of like Travolta memorabilia that I've saved. But uh, at least you got to see the album. I, that album brings me <laughs> so much joy. Uh, I am obsessed with this. I love that I low-key guessed <laughs> what you were doing just as a throwaway <laughs> bit um and then it came I'm true i'm sorry i didn't understand what your podcast was about it's 100 percent that... <laughs> as delightful as i expected it to be i've learned so much um i've seen most of the movies you mentioned but like forgotten them so thank you for like allowing me to rediscover 
all of John Travolta's filmography. <laughs> Wasn't there well, also a time in New York where um, he was, was this, I don't know if this was before or after uh, Fanatic came out, that he went to, say, a pizza place from uh, Oh, Saturday yeah, Fever? yeah, uh, I was there for that. So it was the 40th anniversary of Saturday Night Fever. So uh, in the beginning of that movie, there's the famous, he's like eating the double pizzas together, like walking down to the Bee Gees, mm. and uh, it's Lenny's Pizza, and that pizza shop's still there. So in honor of the 40th anniversary... They, um, oh, I forgot about this. They, uh, they had like this whole event and I, same thing. I got there very, very early. I was one of the first people there, but it ended up being literally 10,000 people in Brooklyn, uh, uh, coming to see him. So he like talking to stage. I didn't even get close to meeting him, but because I was there first, I was like in the very front of the barricades and I got interviewed by the news. I was in the newspaper and because, um, I, because like Travolta, I'm from Jersey, um, all that local news made it to my family who lived in Jersey and I was getting calls like, I just saw you on the news. <laughs> and there's like there's this great like picture of me on the news where it just like there's like a, the bar the news bar at the bottom it's like John Travolta in Brooklyn for Saturday Fever and it's like me talking it's like if I was ever gonna be on the news this is it <laughs> this is what, what got me there so uh, yes that was that was the first time I thought I was gonna meet him but then it, it didn't happen you've uh you've gotten to interview like a, a bunch of people for work and there are always I'm not gonna name names because I don't want any of I don't. I don't want any of the people that have had the pleasure of being interviewed by you to know whether or not I think that they were some of the most exciting interviews for you. <laughs> uh, I want everyone to feel loved equally, but there have been some times that, uh, especially over this last year of existing in boxes, uh, that little gro glowing rectangles that you have posted uh, an interview after you've done it, that I have seen who it was and gone, this is huge for Jamie for me. Like, <laughs> I was experiencing so much excitement and joy and pride for you because they're, they're actors or directors that I know you adore. And just having, like, a little moment by myself of, oh, I'm so happy for her. <laughs> it has been cool. Like, that was, like, the only good thing about uh, the pandemic is that I got to interview more people than I normally would have because it's easier to do Zoom interviews than... But now, but I've since moved to Los Angeles, so now it's like, okay, let's get back to it, because now I live in the place where I can go to things and interview people. Yeah. Uh, I went to my first um, red carpet premiere to, for, to like, do an interview on the red carpet, but it was, like, not that exciting. It was the Turner and Hooch Disney Plus reboot series. <laughs> uh, but that was, I think, a good first first time, you know, a good way to, yeah. to, to sink, you know, a little practice. <laughs> Training wheels. Yeah, exactly. Here's the problem, though, Jamie. When you go and you interview these people in person, you can't, like, curate the backdrop mm, for... Yes. I do I think... have a lot of uh, things I put up. Like, this is not... Usually it's just uh, Scarlet Witch is behind me because everything I do is mostly Marvel-related. I almost came in to do some Marvel history, but I'm like, I have to talk about Marvel twice a week on podcasts. <laughs> no one lets me talk about John Travolta ever. I'm so glad to allow you to talk about John Travolta. Um I have a question for you that it's per it's lovely that you brought an actor to talk about because I if they were to make a biopic about John Travolta and John Travolta couldn't be cast to play John Travolta, who would you cast to play John Travolta? This is a very good question um, and one that I wish I was prepared for. And I guess it would depend on like the era because he said such a long... You can um, cast a young John an actor to play young yeah, John Travolta no, and an actor to play. The first, see, the, this I can't think of the kid's name, but he's also playing Elvis, so I feel like that's too similar. Uh, um, oh wow, you really put me on the spot here. I gotta think about it. Um, who's really good at dancing? It. Yeah, um, give me a moment. I gotta soak this in because this is really good. He's a hard one to capture. 
because he's got a lot of weird energy. He's got uh, a lot of nuance. Mm-hmm. Why had why was there never during all of the 80s and existence of time itself and maybe I'm wrong maybe this does exist but I feel like I would have known about it why was there never like a rivalry movie like a heated like uh it doesn't have to be action but there's got to be like fights in it but they don't have to be fisticuffs I just want there to be a movie where Kevin Bacon and John Travolta have to have like a dance off to like save a galaxy (laughs) I love that. Uh, yeah, I'd watch that for sure. Um, like both of them with their dancing shoes. A lot of people I'd like to see Travolta work with. Um, I think dream- Kevin Bacon like- could play Travolta. <laughs> like an Kevin older Bacon Travolta. as older Travolta. He'd have to like 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 be fa- like he's like too thin. Like yeah, he's a like very wiry. Yeah, he's a little frail. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I gotta say, uh, really, uh, Travolta. I'm really proud of him these last couple of years for embracing the bald. It's really good bald. Uh, he still claims he shaves it in that Pitbull inspired. He's friends with Pitbull, which is so weird. Um, that like she like he still denies that that he's bald. Like he says he does it on purpose, but we saw him wearing those wigs. All those <laughs> yeah. Come on, darling. Just but admit. it's got like when you're when you're like signature for so I mean, long has been your the hair. feathered hair was. So I mean, beautiful. it's so good. Like I would bring I would bring that record into my hairstylist and be like i would like this <laughs> yeah make me look like this i wouldn't Give i wouldn't bring the in a picture eyes. of farrah fawcett i would bring in a picture yes. of travolta i yeah i think travolta has better feathered hair than more than... i think more iconic personally Old. yeah farrah fawcett i just you just said the name and i couldn't think of it I Cass, you and i better. are gonna get like doxxed for that opinion so controversial oh, no. love that uh, Have me on again, and I'll tell you about all the whole history of Charlie's Angels, a subject I'm also very familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Cass, do you have any casting ideas? I'm trying to just, I'm playing for time for Jamie. I, oh, I'm so bad at being on the spot. and tra- Yeah, now I'm trying to think of an era of Travolta. Here's the thing, you're not going to like to hear it, but like just thinking on hair alone, I think Timothy Chalamet could play a young Travolta. But I'm talking oh, hair alone. Can he sing, though? Can he dance? I would believe he's, that Timothy Chalamet can little... do most things just because he was raised in a like wealthy show businessy family. I feel mm. like he probably was trained. But okay. he's got those like tiny twelve year old girl hips. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. No, that John Travolta had when he was younger. Yeah. Like like the the waist of a small thing. Yeah, people talk about Olivia uh uh Newton John. Yes, I almost said Olivia Newton-John, and then in my head I was thinking Elton John, and I was like, "But that's not right. Her name also can't end." We've all got John. Johns. <laughs> uh, everyone talks about Olivia Newton-John's t- tiny, tiny waist in Greece, but we don't talk enough about John Travolta's tiny, tiny waist. Do you know I have one that I hate because I don't like this actor, or he's not my favorite actor, Andrew Garfield. I'm just thinking the hair. Mm. Yeah, we're really focused. Uh, that, and uh, that, tiny, I don't tiny know waist. about that one. Another I don't like waist. it. It's not good, but I can't think of anyone. It's weird that like I've never thought about this before. Like I've never like this question has never been posed. Because you're like they would just take his genetic material and clone an, or a younger version of him. If only. I don't like this answer, but focusing on singing and dancing, um, and strong jawlines, Jeremy Jordan. Ooh, I mean, Jeremy Jordan, I think, is too good to play Travolta in terms of singing. Fair. We're, get, we're, get, we're on the right track. Put Jeremy we'll... Jordan in the stage musical show about Travolta. Okay. Oh, yep. well, yeah. 
Yeah. But not yeah. the movie. Uh, Dominic Cooper's coming to mind, maybe? Uh, and that is, you know, I'm just a really big Mamma Mia fan. So. No, that's great, because I was also had this whole time have been thinking about, for some reason, one of the first things that came to my head when you started talking about John Travolta was, what role would John Travolta, should John Travolta have had in Mamma Mia, other than Pierce Brosnan's role? Um, but like, I was like, if, they, if, if he was in it, what role would he have? And then now I'm like, was he up for that role? Part of me like wouldn't it's, have been surprised. He would, he would have worked so well. I really want a Mamma Mia three. I write. I, let me Judy call me. I have a pitch for it. Um, and the person I really want to see in Mamma Mia three is Hugh Jack. Yeah, I feel like he would. He'd do be it. great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I feel like he could play one of Tanya's ex husbands. Um, I've got ideas <laughs> for Mamma Mia three. Can, there's so many ex husbands. Yeah. Travolta could also be involved. Yes, I love it. Can uh, I make a lot of enemies right here, real quick? Oh. I've yeah. never seen any of the Mamma Mia's. No. That's not an enemy thing. That is an excitement thing. Let's That's have a virtual right. watch party. Yes. I have a new opportunity. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for spinning that for me. Listen, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to do a bonus episode where we just watch Mamma Mia. <laughs> Uh, it's a whole new podcast. I've I've changed your whole podcast concept. Uh, <laughs> a lot of our a lot of our ideas for bonus episodes are based on uh, either m movies that are historical fiction or are take place in historical times, so we can discuss what didn't did not actually happen. Um, but more specifically, movies that are very tangentially maybe kind of consider themselves connected to history in some ways that we can watch and just discuss some bill and ted in there national treasure yeah i haven't seen national treasure or da vinci code because i'm literally waiting until i visit cat <laughs> oh yes i mean national treasure you're gonna love da vinci oh Code's a little, uh, it's fine but I, re I read da vinci code the other year and i kept the referring to it as horrible. the good book but i but i my my guilty pleasure is dan brown books I, I tried to read it in high school and I don't think I finished it. But I was like, it was like when it was the phase, but like there's me, like me in like my English class in high school, like reading Dan Brown. What a weirdo. Who? Speaking of, do we think Tom Hanks could play an older John Travolta? Um, he, I, you know, again, I don't think he's, he's not got really the chops, singing and dancing. Musical chops. Yeah. Um, older John Travolta is not really doing the singing and dancing. Though. Yeah. Yeah, he should be. Uh, Oh, yeah. Guys, what are we? Yeah. Why are we beating around the bush? Older John Travolta, played by Nick Cage. Done. <laughs> I wanted to say it. <laughs> why are we even talking about this? I almost but, wore, but but, uh, but Nick Cage is played by John Travolta. Yes. And it's about the behind the scenes of Face Off. I have a yeah. shirt that's Nick Cage's face, and it just says John Travolta on top. <laughs> and I almost worked the podcast for for you guys, but I didn't want you to see it and get spoiled that that was. But because this, my giant poster wasn't. It was very subtle. The giant poster is a very subtle touch. Natalie, um, was it was it with Rip? Was it with us and Rip when he was talking about Face Off? And I like neither of us knew what it was or something. And he was like, "What do you think it is?" I was like, "I don't know. I think it's like you rip the face off one or put it on the other. How ridiculous is that?" He's like, "No, that's actually that's literally what the movie what it is. is I think it was with rip. Yeah. My my friends and I have a we have a drinking game to face off. Um, and there I, I I invent a lot of movie drinking games. And there's a there's a blanket rule where drink in any Nick Cage movie you drink whenever Nick Cage is being really Nick Cage about it. Um, and you know what that means. You know, you just feel we like all that. know. And, and in face off, there one of the rules is you drink whenever. Nick Cage is being Nick Cage, but also when John Travolta is being Nick, real Nick Cage about it. But also, one of the rules is drink whatever science does not make sense. <laughs> that's a that's just a wonderful drinking game rule for 
any just any sciency or even action mm-hmm. movie. You're just like drink when the laws of physics have gone out the window. You will not survive a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> we'll stop. You won't. Uh, is there a movie that you love, Jamie? That you love it. You love it just the way it is. It's one of your favorite movies. Maybe John Travolta is not in it. If you could recast a role in that movie with John Travolta. Ooh. Ooh. She looks at her wallet. Oh, wow, this is a good one. I'm just going to ask Jamie some really difficult questions. I don't have a specific example, but I will say, I just talked about this in the recent episode of Hollywood Already Did It, which uh, um, where we're talking about The Punisher, because Travolta's in the 2004 Punisher movie. He, it's, unfortunately, one of the worst movies ever made. Even, I hadn't seen it since theaters, and it is pure garbage. Travolta can't even save that for me. It is so bad. And I wish that I could he could get into Marvel somehow. Um, I, I don't, like... I don't know who I'd want him to play um, in an existing, like, who I'd want him to replace, but I really wish we could get him in there somewhere. Um, Do you think and, he'd be a villain? But, uh, well, he was in The Punisher, okay. um, and I and I like when he plays villains. I think it's fun, but I think it could go either way. I, uh, I, I, I like, in, in Die Hard, he's, like, he's not a villain, but he's, like, crazy and funny and and give me more of that travolta but i so my so my favorite woman of so my he's my favorite man of all time my favorite woman is elizabeth olsen so my dream is to get travolta in there so that we i can give me something where i can see travolta and elizabeth olsen acting together i'd float away and die uh listeners can't see this but uh jamie also has a scarlet witch elizabeth olsen tattoo uh pretty much opposite position yeah that was on purpose they're um they're my they're most of my tattoos are kind of like neo-traditional style but my travolta and elizabeth olsen are are portraits so that they stand out as the most prominent people on my body you also have a lovely uh elizabeth meeting elizabeth olsen story or like in an interview elizabeth olsen story where you were wearing a shirt covered with her face Yes, uh, yeah. So. Uh, I was just in the audience and like asked a question, and she like in the middle of her question, she's like, "I just noticed your sweater. Where'd you get that?" <laughs> it's like a friend gave me her birthday. She's like, "I wish I had one of those with Michelle Pfeiffer's face." And I was like, "Heck yeah, I want one of those too." <laughs> Let's make it. We're making a fashion label. You and Elizabeth yes. Olsen. Okay, I so mean- so recasting Travolta in Marvel. I didn't mm-hmm. super love Kurt Russell as interesting as would ego. that be i think that would be kind so, of a comparable swap out you know i love kurt russell a lot i'm a big kurt russell fan i think he mm-hmm. still looks hot i don't know how he does it yeah um but i don't like the character of ego either i, don't uh, uh, I think maybe I that's what that it movie. is it's yeah kurt russell, so i don't, I don't like want to put yeah i don't want to put travolta there because i just don't like that character uh, mm-hmm. But I do think that's a good that's a, that's a good thought. Um, and there are yeah. other characters that like are coming to mind. But I really li- like I really love Stellan Skarsgård. Um, I'm just like thinking of like who are the older men? Like I love Jeff Bridges. <laughs> um, uh, so, but I, I'm like give me like a future thing. Um, you know something. Uh, I don't know. But uh, but that but ego is a good one. Uh, what if he like played like, like Scarlet Witch's dad? <laughs> Papa Witch. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy Witch. Daddy Witch. <laughs> We did see her dad in an episode of WandaVision. Yeah. He could have just been Travolta. What if it was um, oh, missed opportunity, guys? I know. I can't imagine him doing the the Sokovian accent. No, 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 no. Can't picture it. I really need to hear it now, though. <laughs> see, but I couldn't picture him as Edna, and then he did too good of a job. So yeah, he's too convincing. Uh, Has he been in anything where he's had to do like accent work? 
other than Bill, other Bill than Quentin Bill Quentin, sure. yeah. It's nothing's coming to mind. It's uh, it's possible, but I, I don't think he's such like that specific kind of. I, he's I don't John do Travolta. Yeah, uh, but yeah. my friend Annie's brother is always calls me. He'll go, "Oh my god," which is he does it way better than I do. <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, I, I, I nothing. It's possible. I will admit, um, even though I am John Travolta's number one fan, I have not seen every movie he's ever made. And that is because a lot of them are garbage. Uh, and also, there are a couple that I really want to see that I'm like, I've been savoring for like 25 years. Mm. The, uh, like, he's in a movie called um, Picture Perfect with Jamie Lee Curtis, and I'm a, uh, my next tattoo is going to be Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and I I love her so much. Uh, I'm named after her. And so I, even though I know that movie's going to be bad, I want to, I like, I'm like saving it. Uh, because I want to watch them dance together, and I don't know, like it's just like a weird thing. Where I'm like, it's not time yet. For me oh, to watch that one. that's the like the little clip that goes around yeah. on mm-hmm. Instagram and whatever. Yeah, there's a like, meme of that one. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's I a mean, lot of there's a lot of meme Travolta <laughs> memes and gifs out there, um, because this is a history podcast, and because mm-hmm. he has made his biopics and or like historically adjacent films uh if john travolta does some historical fiction who does he play so you know he played and failed miserably at playing gaudy um and i think that that was like a good idea um like him playing like a like a kind of a mob boss role it's just that that i think that movie has a zero percent on rotten tomatoes they also didn't they uh, also do like a awards campaign for that movie I think so. I'm. I'm. Sh- yeah. Wait, was that but, the um, one but, with Gaga? No, that's for a sec. Wait. No, yeah, no, ignore no, everything no. I'm saying. But, but fair. I mean, that's we're still in the, like an Italian realm here. Um, and I think a role like that, like Gotti, was a was a was a good idea. It just wasn't. And then, and then in People versus OJ, he played. Uh, I can't think of the the guy's name, but but um, you know, he nailed that. So there are, you know, give give me like an older Italian kind of person. And uh, I think he could do it. You don't um, want to. But I don't think he could do it. It's something like, 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 like I don't think he'd be good at like any kind of period piece. Like you can't put. That's him what in, I was like, going to say. Is yeah, I was going to yeah. be like, if you were to drop him, I was like, those are all like very recent history. Yeah, I think he'd it'd have to be recent. Those are all history, like during like, his yeah, life's like, lifetime. N- yeah, history. nothing like before okay. the like nineteen forties or thirties. Okay, but I love Kevin Costner and. Uh, Robin Hood, and he's got oh. like California accent. That's but one of my favorite movies of all time. Robin Hood, and now I really want to see that with Danny Zuko <laughs> yeah. in like a Robin Hood type, like medieval. Oh, hey. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> oh, that would be so good. I love Robin Hood. Uh, I but I do love that you were like I can't I can't put him in a period piece and I'm like that's <laughs> no. exactly what I was trying to make you do and you're like, yeah. you can't you can't just can't no. do it. I uh, there are limits to what the man can do. Uh, it's a shame he doesn't like vampire movies because vampire movies are one of my favorite genres. I feel ever. like he'd be great at vampire. I feel like he would yeah. be amazing. And but but I mean in the '90s he said he wouldn't do it so maybe I mean that was a long I time mean, ago. I mean stick he's... to his guns though like mm, yeah. gotta respect the man. Yeah, he's consistent in a way. <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> I mean, he's consistent in a lot of ways. Just one of the ways is just not always choosing the best projects. (laughs) Uh, Jamie, the history of John Travolta has been so enlightening. What a journey we've been on together. Is there anything else from... Oh, well, first of all, wait. We can't talk around this and not have talked about it. What are your top three movies of all times? Oh, 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 uh, Grease, Star Wars, Pulp Fiction. And then uh, Die Hard, though, I sometimes... Interchange out as my favorite movie. 
um, depending who I'm talking to. Like on Letterboxd, that's my list as my favorite movie, <laughs> you know, so I seem a little cooler. Um, and then the other one is would be When Harry Met Sally. Those are my top five. Um, Star Wars series or a specific um, Star Wars? Yeah, Blanket. I, it's, I love all of them, but if we're making me pick one, the, the OG, the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Also, I can't believe this didn't come up uh, at all, because it was all off my brain. Travolta also is a pilot. Um, and a fun fact that I'm going to throw at you before we... Because he in his own home, he has a runway in Ocala, Florida. He has a home. Because uh, not only is he from... Dude, were we born in the same place? But I grew up in Florida, so I've lived in all the same places as Travolta. And when I was 15... Oh my god, I forgot about this. When I was 15, my aunt took me here to Los Angeles, and Travolta's house wasn't on the star map, so she found his address, and we drove to it, and I took a picture of his mailbox. I wish I hadn't told the story. I, I, just now, I regret it immediately. Um, but but So he's a pilot, and he turned down the role of an officer and a gentleman to learn how to, to go to flight school and, and that's why Richard Gere we kind of have Richard Gere because of Travolta's pilot interest oh, oh my fact. god that's he was gonna I, be an officer and a gentleman different yeah. completely different movies very very different, different movie. yeah 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 like I can see it yeah but but, but I'm glad it went to Gear because Gear's amazing yeah. in that movie yeah I uh, I also had uh, was thinking about bringing up the fact that there's a pilot this whole time and it just didn't seem relevant and I'm glad that we made it relevant yeah I forgot about it thanks it's, for bringing it up thing. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're on Letterboxd. Can people find you and follow you on Letterboxd? I don't understand Letterboxd. Can people follow you? Yeah, it's my favorite app right now. I'm like, yeah, it's it's like a social media app where you just like log and rate and talk about movies. So I'm Jamie Cinematics on both Letterboxd and Twitter. Fabulous. And uh, all of the, the, the podcasts could both be found. Phase Zero and Hollywood Already Did It are everywhere that podcasts can be found. Yeah. Enjoy them. Uh, I've really been enjoying the the recent the like the basically when you came on the recent like seasons around the uh, Marvel TV shows. I've really been enjoying the just I've learned so much the oh. parallels between all of the genres. Um, we're not going to give you guys any other history today. There's no why would we? We only need John Travolta, the man, the myth. It the would legend. just feel wrong to tack anything onto that. No. Travolta, Danny Zuko stands alone, and he stands strong. He stands True. alone unless he's, uh, for some reason, riding in a convertible off into the sunset, <laughs> uh, inexplicably. I am upset that you didn't mention Grease 2. Uh, I almost did, uh, but, you know, he's not in it, so. It's fair. <laughs> but, uh, but it's but still a great I, movie. My biggest secret is that even though Grease is my favorite movie, I watch Grease 2 way more. <laughs> That's. Just the, the music's better. Uh, <laughs> the song's so much better. Uh, before we make any more enemies. <laughs> so that's where you can find Jamie. You can find us at Shared Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We're not on Letterboxd. If we did, we would just review the historical accuracy of movies. And honestly, if I had more time, if there are more hours in the day, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> that's all I would ever do. That's all we would ever, ever do. But we don't have time for it that's it we're out of time for today so you can write us any questions corrections or suggestions i you can't have any corrections because jamie knows the most about john travolta so we fucking dare you <laughs> you can send those to shared history podcast at gmail.com that's where we're at one question are you sure it was staying alive jamie are you sure that was the movie Oh, the one that's uh, in a giant poster behind me? Uh, yeah, are you no, sure? I was, I was trying to do a callback to the woman who was like, are you sure oh. that's what it was? Ah, like, <laughs> this is your real number one fan. <laughs> Old people, am I right? <laughs> God, stupid. Mm. That's We're leaving on that note. Until next time. 
Share you later. Special thanks for this episode goes to Sarah Cruz for the show art, short spin for original music, the banded trico for social animations, and Kasmar for a magnificent edit. Broadsheet Radio.